0: Welcome, witches, to Witchcraft from A to Z, your go-to witchy podcast for finding the magic hidden among the mundane. My name is Elaine Evergreen, a practicing witch for 15 years now, and I'll be your host for the next half hour. Today's topic will be a double feature of brushes and brooms. Just because I got started on talking about brushes, and then I had the overwhelming urge to talk about brooms and witchcraft because, well, that's a really fun one. Stick around for the whole episode to learn more. Starting this episode off, I'm going to assume that at some point in your life, you've owned a brush or a comb. So let's look at the many ways we can use this simple household object in our magical practice. Brushes are an interesting one, because although they serve a purpose and have a meaning as the object itself, if it has been used, and especially if it contains the hair of its owner, A brush can be a very powerful tool for both good and, well, not so good. Brushes are another one of those objects that you see in media all the time when it comes to magic and science. Whether it's an evil witch stealing a strand of hair from a brush to curse its owner, or someone taking a hair from it to clone or discover something about its owner, we can see the brushes of others being used against them in many stories. This is because hair has been used as a symbol for sexuality, spirituality, the human relationship to the self, etc. in dozens of fairy tales around the world. In the story The Nixie in the Pond, a nude Nixie covered only by her dark flowing locks seduces a miller. In the same story there's a scene where a wife attempting to rescue her husband from the nixie visits a wise woman who gives her a golden comb and tells her to brush her long black hair a quite seductive and sensual act at the mill pond during a full moon the brushing of her hair starts the process process of her husband rising from the mill pond now if that doesn't speak witchcraft i don't know what does The fairy tale The Water Nixie also involves hairbrushes and combs when a little boy and girl escape a Nixie. During their escape, the girl throws a hairbrush behind her, which turns the land into a mountain with a thousand bristles. The boy, on the other hand, throws a comb, and that turns into a mountain with a thousand teeth. These magical hair utensils aid them in their escape from the water, Nixie, who kidnapped them after they fell into a well. It's theorized that the brush, most likely being made from boar bristles, symbolizes the girl's feminine sexual energy and maturation via menstruation, while the comb, most likely made from horn, symbolizes the masculine strength and aggression of the boy this theory is based on the idea of different animal spirits representing different meanings so let's talk about snow white again because i know you loved hearing about it last episode in the original edition that's found in the grimm's fairy tale collection after the first failed assassination of snow white by the queen she uses witchcraft to create a poison comb The queen, disguised as an old woman, sells Snow White the comb, and as soon as the comb touches Snow White's hair, she drops to the ground. In Disney's version of Rapunzel, brushing of hair is brought up many times. A notable scene in Tangled is when Gothel is brushing baby Rapunzel's hair, using young Rapunzel's power to make herself younger. This transfer of power is repeated throughout Rapunzel's lifetime, representing that beauty and femininity seen throughout stories, but also how one can take the power of another through their hair. There are plenty of other ways that the use, the handling of, and the cutting of someone's hair could be used to represent certain aspects in life regarding sexuality. But I won't get too deep into that, so let's move on to the attributes that we can use in spellwork. From the many tales and depictions of hair and brushes and media, we can take the following and use them as attributes for spells we may cast ourselves. One can use a brush to symbolize femininity, menstruation, womanhood, beauty, self-expression, self-love, sexuality, promiscuity, libido, and seduction. Likewise, brushes can also be used in acts of deception and betrayal if you're using the brush or hair of someone who you might not be fond of. An example would be gifting a brush that you've enchanted with the loss of beauty and seduction to someone who wrongs you or enchanting your own brush to improve your beauty in the eye of yourself or those who you'd like to notice you let's talk about the materials of a brush and what that could do to its perceived attributes if you're using a plastic brush like the majority that are out there um, one could attribute plastic to fragility permanence impurity, cheapness, maybe even pollution. If you have a wooden brush, that could change depending on the type of wood. But for wood in general, it could symbolize natural beauty, grounding, bringing oneself back to earth, cleanliness, purity, healing, and life. If you have a gore bristle brush, um, that can be used to portray strength courage, big fertility, married love, hearth, abundance, and wealth, based on the mythologies found in Norse, Greek, Celtic, and other Anglo-Saxon literature. On to colors. Now in episode 1, I already covered the colors red, pink, yellow, and green. So I won't be covering those again here. But I will be talking about some other colors that hairbrushes are commonly found in, and these are purple, blue, black, and brown. Purple is the color of royalty and spirit. It's been used to symbolize power, the divine, and magic. Due to its connection to royalty, one could also use purple for wealth. The blue of water and sky can be used for healing, dreams and ideas, truth, flexibility, patience, and relaxation. Black of night and shadow is often used for banishing the shadow self, hexes and curses, negativity, but also for grounding, protection, and the lifting of hexes and curses. Lastly, brown, the color of nature and neutrality, can be used for any earth-related or animal-related spells and can be used for home, hearth, stability, and grounding. So, knowing all of this, how can we use brushes in our magical practices? The simplest way to use a brush in our practice is to focus on its ability to improve cleanse, or protect ourselves. Brushes are particularly useful in glamour magic because it is a tool you use regularly on yourself for the purposes related to appearances that is easily accessible and can be enchanted. Glamour magic is a type of magic that can be used to shift how others and how you perceived you. Glamour magic can improve perceived confidence beauty, or your ability to persuade others. One example that you could try out is using glamour magic on your brush to improve the way others see you. Maybe kinder or more confident. It's up to you. Focus your energy on your brush and focus on what you want it to do. Be very specific. Spend your time with it. Maybe meditate, light some candles in a pink or red color to improve the specific energy you're going for. Better yet, choose a brush in the color that represents the meaning you want and anoint it with something like rose oil or a hair oil you love. And remember the affirmations from last last week's episode. As you think of or say what you want this glamor to do, Make sure to be specific. Make sure you're speaking in present tense. Use the words I am, not I want to be. Make this spell even stronger by brushing your hair in front of a mirror while verbally reciting your intentions. Get creative with it, and remember that your practice is your own. Brushes and household items that you use on a regular basis are a fantastic way to easily implement a magic routine in your day-to-day life without too much effort. So, if you've been feeling a little stagnant in your practice, this may be a great way to practice even a tiny bit of magic daily. So, that's all I have on brushes today. Now, let's spice things up and talk about the intimate relationship between witches and their brooms. Before I begin, a fair warning. I will be talking about things such as masturbation, sexual anatomy, arousal, and so on. So, if this is something you are uncomfortable with, if you are under the age of 18 and your family wouldn't exactly approve of this content if they overheard it, then I would encourage you to exit this episode and check out one of my other episodes instead. If you're into this topic as much as I am, let's ride on. Since the beginning, brooms have been associated with women and the home. The earliest known image of a witch on a broom dates all the way back to 1451. Anthropologists suggest that the idea may have come from the observation of pagan fertility rituals used by farmers to improve crops. These rituals involved farmers dancing and jumping around on pitchforks, brooms, or any common object with a pole. Now for the fun part. When it came to the association of women, broomsticks, and sexuality, as it is commonly associated now, it all started when women were caught masturbating or riding brooms covered in ointment. It's recorded that a woman in 1324 was tried for sorcery, after investigators found some ointment, which she used to grease the handle of a broom, and I quote, "...galloped through thick and thin upon." This same woman was also accused of sweeping her neighbor's good fortune away from their houses and into her own, as she was spotted sweeping her neighbor's doorsteps. It's theorized that these ointments or witches' salves, as they were nicknamed, contained hallucinogenic herbs such as deadly nightshade, mandrake, henbane, and jimson weed. And that in order to avoid the negative digestive side effects that those uh, herbs kind of cause, they were absorbed through the skin. Particularly absorbed in places where it may not be so polite. In a 15th century text, it is written that quote the vulgar believe and the witches confess that on certain days or nights they anoint a staff and ride on it to the appointed place or anoint themselves under the arms and in other hairy places unquote basically people noticed that hallucinogens could be absorbed through the sweat glands and the mucosal membranes of the vulva and vagina and they used it to their advantage to go on quite a trip, which explains why so many depictions of witches were nude, to be honest. So how else did flying become relevant in the history of witches? Some of the compounds in these herbs caused a sleep that resulted in frenzied dreams of flight and dancing. In 1966, a man named Gustav Schenk recorded his experience. My teeth were clenched, and a dizzied rage took possession of me. But I also know that I was permeated by a particular sense of well-being, connected with the crazy sensation that my feet were growing lighter, expanding and breaking loose from my own body. Each part of my body seemed to be going off on its own. I was seized with the fear that I was falling apart. At the same time i experienced an intoxicating sensation of flying i soared where my hallucinag- hallucinations the clouds the lowering skies herds of beasts falling leaves billowing streamers of steam and rivers of molten metal were swirling along unquote It didn't help that as women became more closely associated with brooms due to their household duties in the 17th century, they became targets for the fears and anxieties surrounding witchcraft during that century. Certain customs even helped fuel those legends surrounding witches, such as the custom of placing a broom outside the door or in their chimney to let others know they just weren't home. We've got masturbation, flight, drugs, and dancing. Basically, your classic sex, drugs, and rock and roll situation going on. Let's look at how we can use brooms ourselves. Although, maybe not quite in the same way, unless you're into that. First, there are some interesting superstitions that you could use to your advantage, such as placing a broom behind a door of a room in which a guest who has overstayed their welcome is staying in. In addition to sweeping out the room of that unwelcome guest as soon as they leave. Standing a broom up beside your front door to banish negativity from entering your home. Brooms are also fantastic for magical cleansing, just as much as they are mundane cleaning. Cleanse your home by sweeping from the farthest corner of your home, slowly making your way towards the front door. Sweep everything out that door, all the negativity, the bad days, ill wishes, bad luck, and stale energy. This is particularly effective during the vernal or spring equinox to recharge your home and the energy within, to purify it for the spring and summer, and sweep prosperity and happiness back in. A wonderful perk of using brooms in your practice is the ability to embellish it for particular purposes with ribbons, bells, charms, flowers, herbs, and more to help empower the intent of your spell work and improve its effectiveness. In addition to add-ons, brooms can be made with different types of wood for different purposes. They can be dyed or stained in different colors, and they can be different sizes to suit your living situation. They're great for those who aren't open with their practice too, because they don't have to look a certain way. And they can be a standard broom that you purchase at any old store, which can blend in with all of your typical cleaning tools. Or If you have the ability to do so they can be super fancy and stylized. They can also be made yourself if your budget is very tight and expenses can range from free via foraging to hundreds of dollars if you have someone create a custom one. Now although I don't use my broom for witchcraft very often it is an indispensable tool in my cleansing routine. My routine goes like this I start by physically cleaning my home or the room I wish to cleanse. It's much harder to cleanse a messy room than a clean one because a messy room leaves more hiding spaces for negative energy. I throw away any garbage or even items that make me feel sad, angry, or anxious, unless I absolutely have to keep them. Then I put away things in their designated locations. Finally, I clean everything down with a non-toxic cleanser. My favorite is just diluted vinegar steeped with lemons and rosemary. Just makes it a little more witchy. Makes it smell a lot better than just plain vinegar. And it's quite effective. Once everything is cleaned, I open all the windows and the front door. And then I turn on every light in my home. Reducing the places where shadows can hide. Now. I must note, I live in Florida, which is hot, humid, and just buzzing with mosquitoes, gnats, flies, and roaches. So I only do this on one of the very few days of the year where the temperature is pleasantly cool and the humidity is almost non-existent. So if you live somewhere similarly, I suggest doing the same. I light an incense or smoke cleansing bundle and place it on a fireproof surface or in a fireproof cauldron. Then I start to sweep. Starting from the room furthest from the front door, I sweep every corner and closet. As I do so, I chant to myself and to my home the following simple rhyme. Smoke of air and fire and earth, cleanse and bless this home and hearth. Drive away all harm and fear. Only good may enter here. Once I reach the door, I make sure to sweep everything I've gathered, the dust, dirt, negative energy, and sweep it out of my home. I'll also take it a step further and sweep everything off my porch, my steps, and the doormat to make sure every bit of my home and property is cleansed. And that's basically it. This process usually takes me about two days, if I'm to be honest, and if I'm cleaning my whole house, as I'll spend the first day tidying and cleaning, and the second day really cleansing. After I finish my sweep of the house, I'll usually mop the floors and wash all the sheets and laundry to wrap it all up. I keep the windows open and the fans on to circulate fresh air energy into the home. I do this practice about twice a year and if I move to a new home I do this as soon as we move in in order to avoid any negative energy left by previous tenants. You can feel the difference immediately. It really makes you feel like a new person. If you have the ability to do something similar I highly recommend it as it has been a life-changing practice for my mental my spiritual, and my physical health. And that's all I have for you this week. I'd love to hear from you all. So if you have any questions about certain attributes of an item, you want some witchly advice, or you just want to share something about your magical practice, please submit a message to me on my Anchor page at anchor.fm slash witchcraft A to Z. I've shared the link in the description of this podcast, as well as any resources I may have used during the research process for this episode. Don't forget to download and subscribe where you listen to podcasts and share with anyone you know who needs just a little bit of more magic in their life. Until next time, witches.